The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Well, God bless you and good morning. One thing about that song, it reminds us that during these difficult times, we can either draw closer or we can drift away. And I thank God that so many during this pandemic have taken the opportunity to draw closer. Glory to God. Beloved, I am hopeful this morning. You know, every day the joy of the Lord is my strength. But I am especially hopeful that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I just trust that you hold on a little while longer. We shall live to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Thank God for the progress that's being made with the COVID-19 vaccinations. Notwithstanding the vaccination resistors, notwithstanding the naysayers and the rebellious, God will have his way. And so we need to keep our faith in God and not just on the science, but let us, let us keep our faith in God. Because as I heard my wife says that there's a lull before the storm. And you know what? Things could get worse. But, it, but hold on, because in the end, they're going to be so much better. So much better. Glory to God. This morning, I want to conclude the messages I've been sharing with you for the last couple weeks. Two weeks ago, I talked about lose the religion and find true faith. Last week, I talked to you about true worship. And as I began to prepare for today's message, I thought that it might have been more fitting to share this message before I talked about true worship. But you know, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. So I have to give it to you the way God gives it to me. And I have to give it to you when God gives it to me. Once again this morning, we're reading from the Gospel of John, John chapter 4, beginning at the 20th verse. And this is a passage dealing with Jesus and his conversation with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Verse 20, at our father's worship on this mountain. This is what the Samaritan woman said to Jesus. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now the mountain she was talking about was Mount Jerusalem. And that's where the Samaritans, that was their place of worship. But she also pointed out to Jesus that you Jews say Jerusalem, Mount Moriah, is the place where you worship. And so it seemed like 
not only in that day, but even this day and this time, some people think I can only worship in certain places at certain times, under certain conditions. And if I'm not in that place at that time and under the condition, then I just don't feel God. But Jesus is going to tell the woman that she is mistaken. In verse 21, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you need the worship on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem, you, sh- you worship what you do not know. Tell the woman you're wrong. You're just wrong. You're plain wrong about it. And a lot of us are just plain wrong about worship. We call stuff worship because that's what we do. And those that don't do what we do, we say, well, they don't worship, but we do. Jesus said, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. It isn't about Mount Gerizim. It isn't about Mount Moriah. This thing is about God. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Why would the Father be seeking such to worship him if there were those already doing it? And everybody was doing it. No, there are some not worshiping the Father. And there are those that are worshiping the Father, and the Father is seeking those as such to worship him. But Jesus went on and told the woman that God is a spirit. God is a spirit. God does not have bodily form. You can't put God in a bottle. Can't compli- com- you, know, you can't put him in a box. Can't confine him to the four walls of a building. No, God is a spirit. So wherever you are, God is. And Jesus said the hour is coming and now is that you shall worship the Father. You shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship him. And I pray that you're one of them. For God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Verse 22 again. You worship what you do not know. Let me say it again. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, you worship what you do not know. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You worship what you do not know. So here we are. Here we are in in the middle of a pandemic. And it's interesting how some people, their worship of God has waned fallen off, drift away. And for others, their worship has been intensified. I believe that those that have drawn closer to God, those are the ones that, that have the revelation of God. Those are the ones that the Father is seeking to worship him in spirit and in truth. So much that we call worship, that the word worship has no power in it, seems like anymore. 
But we need to understand that the word worship has a lot of power in it if you understand the object of your worship. You can worship God wherever you are. You don't have to feel like something is missing, something is wrong, something is lacking because your routine has been interrupted. Thank God for for the blessing and the freedom to come to church, to come to the church house and gather with the saints of God Sunday after Sunday to worship God. But all of a sudden that's interrupted. But your worship shouldn't be interrupted because God is still God. You see, as Jesus told the Samaritan woman, God is a spirit. And he is an internal spirit. Bottom line is this. You worship what you do not know. When a person calls himself a Christian, or they may say I'm religious, they may even say, well, I'm spiritual. When a person calls themselves a worshiper, you cannot assume that they know God. This Samaritan woman called herself a worshiper, And even said, our fathers worship God in this mountain. But Jesus had to correct her and say, you are not a worshiper. In fact, you worship what you do not know. So even when they do worship, you can't assume that they're worshiping the true and living God. You can't assume that God is the object of their worship. To worship God in spirit and in truth You must know Jesus. You got to know Jesus and understand the importance of faith in him. If God is not the object of your worship, then your worship is in ignorance, Jesus said. Jesus said your, your worship is in ignorance because you worship what you do not know. That's a terrible indictment to make against anybody. But this woman needed to hear this indictment. You've been going through all the motions. You've been going through all the formalities and perhaps all the rituals and the ceremonies. But you worship what you do not know. We Jews, we know what we worship because salvation comes from the Jews. It was the Jewish people that God entrusted with the message of God, the gospel message. It was the Jewish people that God made stewards over the gospel and to spread the gospel throughout the world. It was the Jewish people that God gave them the revelation of the tabernacle of God and how to worship God based on that tabernacle and who God is over that tabernacle. It was God that gave that message. Now, if we're worshiping God on anything other than that revelation, Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. Your worship is in ignorance. There's a lot of ignorant worship in the church. There's a lot of ignorant worship in the church, and oftentimes it begins before people ever get into church. For example, a good illustration of this is Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, when Paul came to Mars Hill. In Acts chapter 17, verse 22, the Bible says Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. The Areopagus was 
Mars Hill. Mars Hills was, was a judicial court where men gathered to hold court or just to talk and to debate issues. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. You know, God never called for any of us to be religious. He only gave religious to the Jewish people in the Old Testament that they might have a revelation of what it would mean to worship God when Christ would come. He says, I perceive you're very religious. What's interesting about this word religious? To be religious is to be superstitious. In other words, some people are so superstitious that they feel like they can only worship God in a certain way, in a certain place, and at a certain time. Paul says, I perceive that in all things, you are very religious. In other words, you're very superstitious. Remember the song that Stevie Wonder recorded some years ago. He recorded a song entitled Superstition. And one of the lyrics in that song said that when you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition is not the way. Superstition ain't the way because it's based on things you really don't understand. If we had a better understanding of God, if we had a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we could be better worshipers of God. This Samaritan woman didn't have that revelation. She didn't know at first she was talking to the very Messiah himself. She went on to tell Jesus, we know that the Messiah would come. Jesus said, you are speaking to him right here, right now. And to worship God my Father... You must worship him in spirit and in truth. It can't be based on superstition of historical things that your fathers did because your fathers also incorporated idolatry in the worship of God. That's what the Samaritans did. That's what the Samaritans did. Even though they claimed Jacob to be their father, they built a temple in fact, Samballot built a temple on Mount Gerasim for the Samballots to worship God. But what the Samaritans did, they combined idolatry with the worship of God. Then not only did they combine idolatry with it, the Samaritans did not. They did not receive the writings of the prophets. They, they received the writings of Moses. In other words, they, they embraced the first five books of the Bible, but the writings of the prophets, they would not receive that. And it was the prophets that brought the revelation of Jesus. It was the prophets that brought the revelation of God and how to worship this true God. So they do, Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. You worship in ignorance. Well, Paul came upon these men in Athens at Mars Hill, Paul says, I perceived in all things that you're very religious. Just religious. And some, folks, some Christians are like that. Just religious. Just religious. Don't have no death. Don't have no substance, no spiritual substance. They're just religious. They have all the religious language now, Pat. They have all the religious moves that's shaking and the quaking. They got that down. 
They even got speaking in tongues down. Just religious. Paul says religion is not the way. Then he went on to tell the men of Athens, he, he went on to tell them, he says, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, please notice objects, plural. There's only one object of worship, and that's Almighty God. He says, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. It was said about Athens in Paul's day in parallel what is said about America in this day. In America, we have more guns than we have people. In Athens in Paul's day, they had more idols than they had men. Did you hear what I said? They had more idols than they actually had men. So Paul said to them, as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And this is what I want to do as I stand before you. I want to proclaim to you who is the true and living God. I want to proclaim to you that many of you have been, been worshiping him that you do not know. But that big lie must be expelled, dispelled. What is the big lie? What is the big lie? The big lie is that all religions are good and they all lead to heaven. So everybody going to... No matter how you worship, it's all good. No matter how you believe, it's all good. It's all going to lead to heaven. I do not believe all religions are good. In fact, I don't believe no religion is good. Even the Christian religion. I'm going to a place right now that I loathe being called a Christian because of what that label has come to mean. Jesus never called himself a Christian. Nowadays, a Christian could be somebody who goes into a church and murder nine innocent people. And what did that person do after they were arrested? After they took him to Burger King, the person had time to sketch a picture of his Jesus. Called himself a Christian. And he sketched a picture of a European Looking Jesus. Well, I'm here to tell you, that's what religion tells you. Religion been lying to you. Jesus was not European. Don't get mad at me. But Jesus had drops of black blood in his vein. And I can prove that scripturally. Hello, somebody. He was from the tribe of Judah. Judah married a Canaanite. And a Canaanite was a black man. That means Jesus had black blood in his body. Bathsheba was black. David knew black was beautiful. How many hear what I'm saying? Huh? But so many people call themselves Christian. What does that mean? Everybody's a Christian. 
Mass murderers, Christians. Racists. White supremacists. They're all Christians. Why can't we be what Jesus was and is? He didn't call himself a Christian. He followed the voice of his father. Why can't we follow Jesus? Why can't we allow Jesus to be in us as he is in the father? And just be Christ followers. And when you say you're Christ followers, then you will know that tree by the fruit it bears. Some folks are saying all religions are good. They all lead to heaven. Different paths, but they all lead to God. That's not what Jesus told the Samaritan woman. She says, our fathers worship God in this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place you worship. Jesus didn't, he didn't mince his words. He told the woman, you worship what you do not know. There's only one way to worship because there's only one God. We Jews know what we worship. He told the woman, you're wrong. You're ignorant. Then Jesus said himself, John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. So we have to dispel that big lie. The Athenians, the men of Athens were living a big lie. They worshiped an unknown God. But Paul says, I'm here to tell you that the God you worship, I'm here to declare him unto you. Now, two things about the men of Athens. Number one, they believed in the existence of God. Number one. This altar with an inscription written on it to the unknown God proved they believed in the existence of God. But number two, they were ignorant of that God. They called him an unknown God. And why was he unknown to them? They didn't have access. They didn't have access to God as revealed by the word of God. And the truth to be told, if you don't have no truth of God, then you cannot truly worship God. He'll always be the unknown God to you. He'll always be the man upstairs. He'll always be that greater power. He'll always be some force in the universe. And you're no better than those in Athens that told Paul, we worship God, but he's an unknown God. But Paul says, I want to declare unto you that the God who you worship, who he is. God wants us to know who he is. And he's God wherever we are. He's God here in church. He's God outside of church. Wherever you are, he's still God. He is the true God. The true God. He is our creator, our redeemer. He is our king. And he does not dwell in temples built with hands. We gotta get that revelation. He does not dwell in temples built with hands. God is in our midst because he came in when you came in. He lives in your heart. He doesn't dwell in temples built with hands. And if you feel like you have to be in church to worship God, you worship what you do not know.
Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Isaiah and says, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where's the house you shall build me? Where's the place of my rest? There is no house big enough to contain God. There is none. So in ignorance, we worship and we call it worship. But is it really worship if God is not the object of that worship? But just like the men in Athens, Paul declared to them who God really was. He says, God who made the world and everything in it, says he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to, to all life, breath, and all things. But we worship in ignorance. We worship what we do not know. And here's some of the ways we worship in ignorance. We worship in ignorance because we're worshiping the legacy. We're worshiping the legacy of a particular church or denomination. You're worshiping that legacy because that's where your parents went to church. That's where their parents went to church. And your great-grandparents also went to that church. So you're worshiping the legacy rather than worshiping God. And it's unthinkable to you to understand worship any other way other than worshiping through the way your mama, your daddy, your grandfather and grandmother, and your grandparents worship. So are you worshiping God or are you worshiping the legacy? You, you know, cold, dead church. And you ought to be removed from the congregation of dead. The Bible says, only, Proverbs says, only the person who lacks understanding remains in the congregation of the dead. But you remain in the congregation of the dead because of legacy. And you're worshiping that legacy. Then many times we're worshiping the, build, the church building itself. Because we've donated so much money for that church. Our parents donated money. And we, we're continuing donating money to the building fund. And, and so that's my church. That's where I worship. Are you really worshiping God or are you worshiping the building? Are you worshiping the stained glass windows and the cushion pews? What are you really worshiping? Is God the real object of your worship? You know better than the woman at the well. She did not know what she was really worshiping. The men of Athens, they didn't know what they were worshiping. But Paul says, I'm going to declare him unto you. Then many people worship the preacher. That's what they do. They worship the preacher. And if that preacher ain't preaching, they don't want to come to church. And that ought to be your prima facie evidence that you were never worshiping God in the first place. If, if, if preacher so-and-so ain't preaching today, then I don't feel like going. That's because preacher so-and-so is the object of your worship and not God himself. Some people worship the preacher so much, you'll be in a conversation with them. And they say, oh, my pastor preached today. Oh, child, you should have been there. He got down. He preached. Well, what did he preach about? Honey, I don't know, but it sure was good. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.